everyone, welcome back to Real Talk NFT, where we talk all things Web3. Very excited today to have on George from Work. That's a licensed virtual currency and a Web3 payment provider. Welcome, George. Hi, uh, thanks for having me. Great to have you here. And I have a selfish question, George, you're from Estonia. I don't know much about Estonia, but I know I've heard it before. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from? Sure. Um, I'm originally from Georgia, but I live in Estonia. Uh, it's a small country uh, in the Baltic Sea region in Europe, um, famous for uh, digital governance. So most of the government uh, services are provided digitally. Everybody has a digital ID. So mm. you don't need to do uh, anything. I mean, I mean, you don't have to go to any government uh, institution to receive wow. any services. So everything is done online, opening companies, uh, opening bank accounts, filing taxes. Everything is digital and online. Even voting is done uh, online. So it's kind of a cool nice. thing. And yeah, and if you want to send sign a document, you just sign it with your ID card on your laptop and send it over email. So it's even better than DocuSign or any other. <laughs> and Sonia was on the forefront of uh, of uh, innovation, and that means that includes uh, crypto and blockchain. They were the one of the first um, European jurisdictions to offer cryptocurrency licensing. So they've mm. set up rules and regulations and uh, in the process for companies to set up a crypto license and they would regulate and oversight uh, the operations. And uh, it's a cool thing. Like uh, it's uh, kind of a wanted thing in, in, in crypto world. And also Estonia was one, the only country in the world that planned an ICO. They planned an ICO in 2017 Mm. Uh, they wanted to issue um, digital euro, but, but then European Central Bank uh, told that uh, only European Central Bank can, can, <laughs> issue, can issue euros, whether it was digital or not. So the plan was uh, abandoned. I see. Wow. seems like we can learn, have a lot of lessons from the country because we're a little bit behind in jurisdiction and regulation here. seems very progressive. Has the, yeah, I, heard, I heard voting. Has they been progressive enough to implement any DAO infrastructures? Uh, they've uh, they have a licensing for DAO and a legal framework uh, for DAO, okay. so you can set up a DAO and set up a legal entity that will substitute and proxy uh, DAOs in real world. So they they call it a partnership, like partnership style, uh, mm. kind of an legal entity. So yeah, DAOs here are legal, and it's a good place to nice. establish a DAO if you need to. You know. To do basic operations, salaries, uh, payments, everything, you can do that. Oh, nice. Wow. Well, I know we're still working out those kinks here for ourselves and a lot of people <laughs> have arguments about what a DAO is. Uh, tell us about yourself and your background, how you got into creating, creating work. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, uh, I'm in crypto industry since 2013. Mm, wow. I had a previous company called CryptoPay. It's still up and running. Uh, it's a crypto wallet, uh, custodian wallet exchange and uh, prepaid card issuer. So we were the old company. We started in issuing cards in 2015. So uh, it was a big success. Uh, but in 2019, I decided to part ways and do my mm. own stuff. Uh, so in 2020, I've established Overt, 
which is a totally different thing. It's a B2B2C company which works for not for retail users, but for other crypto companies. And we help um, DAOs, uh, non-custodian wallets, uh, NFT marketplaces, uh, games, or any basically any Web3 business to onboard their users through a payment. So mm. the most of the interaction with Web3 happens uh, when you're doing a payment. And uh, that's where we kick in. So if your consumers don't have crypto, but they need crypto to interact with your application, or they need crypto to buy something on a platform like NFT, uh, then uh, we can uh, help uh, those companies to onboard those users through a credit card purchase. So it works like an... Sorry, go on. Oh, no, I, I was just going to mention that it's much needed because I tried to do a transaction on an NFT loaning platform and it the, the gas fees, the transaction fees were $30 just to process that. And even if they could hide it amongst the credit card, you know, transaction and make it easier to onboard, I wouldn't mind paying for a credit card versus, you know, um, a cryptocurrency that I want to keep. And what's what's the gap here? How come a lot more companies are not choosing to adopt this? Is it hard to integrate? No, no, it's not very hard to integrate. Uh, There's a competition on the market and we're not the only company on the market. So it's just it happening is just not lucrative. I mean, it's a payment thing. Uh, It's a convenience um, feature. Where you have uh, you can buy with ETH or you can buy with a credit card side by side uh, on a checkout uh, stage. Uh, we have companies uh, like Non Origin, which is owned by eBay, uh, using our service, uh, but it's a B two B thing, so it's not really uh, it's not really in the consumers um, in the consumers you know uh, minds uh, mm-hmm. what we do. And also, sometimes we're kind of hidden, meaning that our branding is very generic and the payment page that we host is usually done in an iframe. So sometimes consumers, they don't even realize that they're doing the transaction with us rather than with the platform. Mm. I see. Can you give us a peek behind the curtains of how you reconcile the crypto of the fiat? Uh, Yes, sure. So whenever the consumer want to buy uh, an NFT on the marketplace, uh, which has our payment widget enabled, they usually find a button like buy with a card, uh, click on it, uh, enter their credit card details, their basic details, like first name, uh, date of birth, and yeah, that's it. And then uh, we authorize, we charge their card, and then interact with the smart contract uh, which governs the minting, issuance, and transfer of the NFT on behalf of the consumer. So the the consumer receives the NFT directly from the smart contract or mint contract or whatever is the, the method behind it uh, directly. We never hold the custody of the NFT. Uh, so they are always the first receiver and the first mm-hmm. owner. And, and they also don't need to purchase, in this scenario, they don't need to purchase any crypto which is great from tax perspective, because when you buy cryptocurrency uh, in the US, in the UK and some other countries, uh, cryptocurrency is uh, treated as a (laughs) property. So when you buy, it's a taxable event. And when you convert crypto into an NFT, it's also a taxable event. So you have to report those. And uh, that's not cool. And 
not that boring. So it's <laughs> easier to buy with a card uh, and be happy about it. Yeah, now you make me want to buy all my ongoing NFTs with a credit card because of that purpose. And that's why I asked the question because I still try to buy a lot of NFTs today and some providers don't have the onboarding with credit mm -hmm. cards and I just don't understand it. We're two, three years into NFTs now. It doesn't make sense to me why doesn't every company have that option? That's a very good question, uh, yes. But um, I guess uh, sometimes uh, they're sacrificing uh, user experience and convenience, uh, yeah. you know, uh, in the favor of stability and uh, some core features that the that the functionality lacks. I mean, you better fix the smart contract rather than onboarding in case mm. there's an issue. I see. Makes sense. Yeah. The user experience is definitely very, very important. But if you, you gave a pop up and told me like, hey, do these extra steps so you don't have to pay this much more taxes, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, well, being a more NFT centric community uh, and podcast, something that you have really you know caught our attention uh, you mentioned NFTs, you know, as part of your payment provider services. And on there, we see a mention about warranties. And I know you've yes. been highlighted you know, on a couple of articles about that. Can you talk to us about that? Sure. Um, so we found, uh, we did a partnership uh, with a company called Avata, which is a technical uh, gateway for uh, regulated uh, insurance. And uh, with, a, with, with that company, we've built a warranty product, we call it. It's not, an, it's not insurance uh, as it is. It's a warranty. Uh, mm. But it works in a way that in case there's anything wrong with the smart contract uh, that governs the NFT, you know, um, the contract behind the uh, the NFT, if anything goes wrong with it or, you know, it got hacked, uh, there's, a, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, there is a malicious attack or basically the, comp the, the purchaser, the user, cannot use the NFT, cannot move it, cannot use it. Uh. Or, uh, you know, they wake up in, and there's no NFT in their wallet because it's get hacked. I mean, the, the mm. smart contract behind the NFT. Then they make a, they can make a claim and receive uh, the purchasing price uh, back. Wow. Okay. So to clarify, yeah, I misunderstood it personally. So it's not insurance. It's a warranty and it's based off of the, the contract that, that houses or is the, the provenance for that collection. Yes. Got it. So and imagine, how, you, imagine yeah. you as a consumer buy a uh, an in-game item uh, for a game, and the game got hacked, and all the NFTs are now you know thrown away, uh, mm. or something like that happens. And uh, well, uh, now you have an option to you know <laughs> to get covered, to to return the NFT because it's faulty. Wow, interesting. Yeah, there are probably a lot of use cases that I'm not aware of. I'm more of an NFT collector. Gaming is definitely taking the front stage. So that definitely makes sense if you spend your hours and years investing yes. into those assets only for it to be gone and not not your fault at all, you know, by the publishers yeah. or the gaming company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly that's exactly that's got it. And I read somewhere that it's on the buy side, right? There's an added uh, cost uh, initially, yes, and that's an pretty much it. Yeah, that's an uh, opt-in. So you can opt-in, opt-out. If you don't want, you don't buy, of course. There's a small mm -hmm. uh, fee uh, that you pay, and uh, that's it. You receive it. So I you see. can let and it on, claim if you want to claim. 
hopefully not it's not going to happen but if it can happen you can do that Got it. Uh, I don't know about you, but United States warranties have a bad taste in consumers' mouth. <laughs> How long is this? Like a lifetime warranty? No, it's three months. Three months. Okay. Yes. Got it. So and it's, potentially- uh, it's not, yeah. I mean, uh, it's a product that is uh, that doesn't cost a lot, and mm-hmm. still for new users that are just in the game, uh, it's uh, some kind of a comfort that you can get because. Um, at least you are covered from uh, from some malicious attacks or hacks of the game that the the, the assets of which you are purchasing. It's uh, it's not a magic pill. It's not a protection against uh, all the bad things in the world. Uh, but it's better than nothing. Got it. How, how did this come about? Was it users that brought this issue with you? Was it games? Was it collectibles? So this is. Uh, um, so the the our, our partner that uh, offered us this service uh, and offered us to create this service, where you get this um, warranty during the checkout. Uh, there's a lot of there are a lot of hacks uh, that are happening uh, in Web three gaming and uh, in Web three space basically that are not really talked about because uh, it's kind of people don't like uh, you know <laughs> sharing that something was wrong and uh, this kind of a thing is uh, you know if the prod there's an audit of the smart contract al- always but mm-hmm. uh, in case there is no audit or it's too complex to get audited it's a good substitute to it but uh, but in that, but it's again it's a consumer product it's uh, right. something that consumer buys and we don't really have to have any relationship with the uh, with the um, issuer with an empty collection um, we don't need to sign a contract with them everything is done independently there's own assessment so it's, it's, it's a different thing makes sense well um, maybe other people have asked you this questions it's kind of in the line of warranties but you know will there be other products that help support uh, collectibles, NFTs, game assets in the future, maybe an insurance products because the, they are assets, right? And there's a lot of insurance out there. I'm not sure if you have any views on that there at is, all. There is a problem with this. Uh, there's an issue with this. Uh, is that uh, the biggest uh, attack or the biggest risk is that's happening is uh, mm. hacks of the wallet. So consumers yes. are losing access to the wallet. They're being hacked, scammed, uh, fish, phishing attacks and so on. And this is something that you cannot really cover. No insurer will cover mm. that because uh, those are, uh, you know, those are unfortunate mistakes that are done by the users themselves. Uh, they've eventually it was them who clicked the link or whatever confirmed the transaction, and uh, it's not really coverable. You cannot insure right. that. Uh, it's like uh, when you do an insurance in the house for the house, and uh, you shouldn't be leaving the key in the front door <laughs> uh, under the mat. Uh, yeah, you you will not you will never insure your house then. Right, that definitely makes sense. Yeah, because a lot of these fraudulent activities are approved by the owners of the wallets themselves. So uh, through phishing scams and fake and spoof sites yes, and whatnot yeah. and and Unfortun- emails. So unfortunate. That's very unfortunate. But you, there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, yeah. You're right. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I come from the cybersecurity world back when I was working at Web2. So definitely, yeah, there wasn't any insurance products. There was just a lot of levels of security built around, you know, mass infrastructure uh, that needs to be, you know, brought up because, you know, a lot of these companies will be housing our assets per se, and it could be taken even from big companies like we've seen before. So uh, here's a question that uh, you might have seen a lot is how do we address this this trust deficit? You know, how do we fuel mass adoption? A lot of people don't want to put everything like we just said into a wallet and only for them to be tricked and, and get it stolen. I, I know you're not a security expert. I know that you're a payment provider, but uh, uh, I think I'm that you have industry, some insight here. I'm in the industry for 10 years and uh, yeah. I've seen so many hacks and, uh, you know, uh, nobody's immune. Uh, to you know, to hacking, even big exchanges like Bin- uh, like no Binance or uh, Bitstamp were hacked because of you know um, uh, social engineering. And some there are even smart people do stupid mistakes. So it's uh, unfortunate, and you can't really avoid it. But uh, the biggest, uh, how I think, uh, the biggest. Uh, uh, remedy to all those hacks is uh, user education. Uh, you know, explaining what is the private key, explaining what is a wallet, how it works, that, the, that everything is, uh, you know, uh, that all the payments are final, all the transactions are final. There's no chargeback thing that you can do with Visa and MasterCard. So, you know, it's only your decision uh, that affects, so there's no turning back and there's no plan B. Uh, that's, uh, that's the beauty of cryptocurrency that gives a lot of uh, use cases and you know, makes things easier and uh, better. But at the same time, uh, many consumers are not prepared to. They, 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 they treat the system, they treat the wallets as, you know, as banks. You know, if something goes wrong with your payment, you just call a bank and they, you know, they make a re- recall. Or uh, you can file mm-hmm. a chargeback and then you get your money back. It's not the case with cryptocurrency, right. unfortunately. And uh, I think it's a good thing. It gives discipline. Right. Yeah, I think that's a concern. Not not so much for myself, but maybe you've seen on your end. You you just mentioned the word chargeback. Does that happen? I mean, because if you buy the credit card, uh, buy the NFT, I'm sorry, with a credit card, and someone calls a payment provider and like, hey, I didn't authorize this. Is that an issue with the industry at all or, or not mm-hmm. at all? It's, this is an issue, of course. This is an issue. It's called, uh, it's fraud. Right. Uh, there are different types of fraud. Sometimes people just don't like the NFT that they received and they want their money back. And um, it's, it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes there are issues, you know, they received the NFT, but uh, it's not like what they wanted. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, I mean, it happens. They were, uh, you know, um, they bought a land in a game and the position of the land uh, is in the wrong region. Right. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they they meant to buy a certain plot of land, right? Per se, and then, yes. yeah, that that could be yeah. a big hurdle for. I can see now why maybe some platforms don't want to integrate credit cards for that reason. They they don't want the chargebacks. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, but the, the the but yeah, but uh, yeah, there, there are chargebacks, but those are consumer rules. Mm-hmm. The chargebacks are not. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether you sell through Ethereum or you sell with a, through a credit card transaction, um, you, as a project, if you're selling something, you sign an agreement with the consumer, and this agreement is usually governed by consumer protection mm-hmm. laws. 
And uh, in many, many cases, uh, you have a right uh, as a consumer to return the item. Oh, right. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's credit card or uh, ETH. Right, right. That's the, that's it's a big issue to be and not everybody understand that right uh in the, especially in web3 space if you buy if you sell something uh if you're an artist and you sell something consumers have rights right and uh they have a right to return uh and request a refund or you know many many things yeah i did read about that where consumers are trying to take advantage of this. This was like two years ago where maybe they didn't get a rare NFT that they liked and then they were going to go through consumer protection rights. I mean, that's not a great way to, you know, um, highlight, you know, the, the good, you know, uh, safety benefits of that. But, you know, I did hear that in the news before. Um, what can we see in terms of innovation with maybe anything that you're doing in parts of the world? I know, you know, like we mentioned with hack and thefts and whatnot, uh, companies like Ledger, although not popular, we're working on, you know, things like social recovery, uh, you know, on the next phases. Oh, I'm big, I'm, I'm, I'm a very big uh, critic of a social recovery. By yeah, it was not received well at all, but it, it yes. was some, it was something at least that tried to address something. But yeah, we're seeing innovation every day. Is there um, anything on your front that you're seeing? Oh, we're, we're building a seamless creation of an non-custodian wallet. So consumers can buy NFTs even without having a wallet. So oh, nice. Yeah, so they don't need to have crypto, and they will not need to have uh, a wallet to buy the NFT. Uh, they will just get onboarded after the transaction to a non-custodian wallet that they, we will create for them and give them access to. And they will be, you know, you buy with a card an NFT. You have it in a wallet, and then you are free to either use their wallet or you know export the keys to MetaMask and um, use it uh, use it there. Even hmm. even even further, the simplicity of the onboarding and simplicity of the purchasing. Yeah, that makes sense because I have a lot of NFTs, but to your point, a lot of it's minted and then connected directly to my MetaMask wallet, which houses a lot of my cryptocurrency. So having a non-custodial one, I would probably prefer because I want to keep my assets separate and not be vulnerable at just one point of attack. Mm, that's actually a good point. Yes, it's a proxy wallet. Yeah, it can. Yeah, good point. Yeah, there's there's a lot that's being worked on and. Yeah, as an NFT enthusiast, I'm just always intrigued of what's happening out there in the space. As you can tell by my background, all, all of these are from NFTs, even though they're physical oh. assets. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, awesome. It's been great hearing about some innovations. Like you mentioned, warranties are the first one I've heard. So what's just to wrap things up, like what's next? What's success in 2023? Maybe maybe what's some questions I should have asked, but did it? Um. I don't know. Uh, everybody's thinking. So, if you look at the market, there is a sentiment uh, that the NFTs are dead. That NFTs are dead. But at the same time, if you go to any NFT uh, Web three conference, uh, there's a lot of people there, and a lot of people building, launching, buying, uh, you know, issuing, and and, uh, and a lot of things happening. And at the same time. Uh, we can see that, you know, everybody's saying that the NFT market is dead. So the good question is what's really happening there uh, and what's really happening? Because we can see that the activity on the major NFT platforms uh, is not dead. I mean, there's a lot of activity happening, 
uh, but not a lot of new, big, and you know, um, uh, famous project launching. And at the same time, there is a lot of activity on conferences. So I think uh, what is happening is real world uh, is going into a three, like mm, real world projects, uh, real world brands are entering the Web3 space. And it's just footsteps. It's like, it's like small steps, baby steps. Mm-hmm. And uh, once they grow up, we're going to see a lot of uh, attention and a lot of volumes in the space. Absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I attend a lot of conferences. I was at one just uh, two weeks ago. And surprisingly, I'm, I'm sure you heard about the NBA. They threw their first conference ever in the United States. And the commissioner of the NBA uh, did a panel. He was sitting right next to the CEO of Dapper Labs, who runs mm. the Flow Token. Yes. And they're, they're on a panel. It was public. It was streamed live on ESPN. And him talking about how NBA Top Shops one of the biggest uh, uh on branding the Web3 platforms that they believe in. So it was really bullish news for me to hear that, at least in the United States. It was great mm-hmm. to, to see and hear in person. So definitely, I'm not going anywhere. I don't think a lot of brands are going anywhere. I think a lot of them are testing in this phase, uh, at least in the state side. I'm very excited to see that. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, it's, it's been great having you on, George. I'll put all the links on the uh, down below on the show on how people can connect with you, with work, how to integrate your platform that sh- they should choose and how to reach out to you. Yeah, sure, sure. It's very easy to integrate. We have integration docs. It's a normal uh, software as a service payment company. So we have all the tools and everything to for a seamless integration. It's just usually takes less than one day uh, for a full stack developer to integrate uh, the payment model. Awesome, George. Well, it's great, been great having you on. I would love to have you back on in the future. It's like dog years here, right? <laughs> One week could go by and things would change. So yeah, I imagine yeah, we're going to yeah. have a, a different conversation <laughs> soon. Yeah, cool. Awesome, George. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye.